<laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. It was just loaded in here. And we've done all these episodes so far without music, so I figured we're going to rock something Look, out. It's, it's close. I like the funkiness. You know, you know I love funk, so. That's right, that's Welcome. right. Welcome to Big Sexy Digital Nomad. It is Across from me over there is the almost psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still in Vegas as I have returned home. But over there is Big Sexy. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you. You know, the back-to-back special treats. That's what I love. We want to give our listeners the goodies. And today, um, let me give a little backstory. I was listening to uh, my favorite podcast, The Ice Cream Social, um, and I heard on those airwaves uh, this lovely lady talking about uh, herself and uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then they sh- she said the magical words that I would, oh, we have to have her on the show. She said she was a digital nomad. And I'm on. that's not uh, fate uh, dictating that I need to have, we have some special guests and putting them in our circle and our range. I don't know what is. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to, do you go by Jen or Jennifer. It doesn't matter, but we're friends already, so you can call Yes, me. exactly. So this is Jen Briney. She's the host of Congressional Dish Podcast and uh, the co-host of We're Not Wrong Podcast. Um, and my favorite thing, uh, as I was examining her Twitter profile, because you got to do your research, which is basically whatever is just the header of her Twitter profile. It said... Location. More research than most are doing on the internet these Agreed. days, to be Agreed. fair. But I did look and did, and did request a friend. It does say, as location, digital nomad, comma, earth. And I'm like, that's beautiful. That's, I'm going to be changing. Once we leave the country, I'm changing my location to digital nomad, comma, earth. That's amazing. You and I will be from the same place. You were the first person to notice that, so thank you for noticing. (laughs) I've had it up there for a while, and no one's really. It's kind of on brand for this podcast. Just it really is for the record. (laughs) It it would be crazy if I didn't notice it. If if this was, you know, big sexy digital nomad. Oh, look what I just found! No, uh, awesome. So, Jen, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to meet some kindred spirits. Yes, excellent. Um, uh, uh. Really quickly, we just want to recap uh, both uh, Beth was here in Vegas, Um, Cycle was here in Vegas, and you were here in Vegas recently as well, but you're no Mm -hmm. longer here, correct? Yeah, I came for the weekend. Um, Justin Robert Young, my co-host, and we're not wrong, kidnapped me and made me go to a political campaign event. So (laughs) I want to hear about that because I I heard, uh, because on the episode you were on, uh, you you were dreading what was about to come yeah uh, and i'm intrigued at, about the uh results of your adventure uh, <laughs> in that political spectrum but um, first we're gonna we're gonna read a steamy high school poem here oh god please don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. we don't do that on this podcast not yet eventually <laughs> if, if we have to get to that part it would be look it's my podcast it's our podcast i got a bunch of steamy high school poetry that i can read uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, to that, make the room uncomfortable. 
Justin just told me we were going to go see some of his friends and do their podcast. Like, that's all I knew. I knew nothing about what I was walking into. Oh, wow. You, yes. had never, you hadn't listened to an episode. No, I had no Ooh. idea. That Justin was just like, you'll be way. able to hang. You're fine. And I was like, okay. And then we immediately started making poop jokes. And I'm like, okay, I see what this is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was we, very fun, but it's not what I usually do. Um, so it was right, really great yeah. to just be a goofball. And yeah, it was very fun. That's hilarious. Ice Cream Social, I guess we consider that our, they're my father podcast because that is how the Almost Psychic and I met uh, from oh, nice. listening to that podcast. We are both scoops. Um, and the best way that I describe it to anybody that I'm trying to obelisk into it, which is their their scheme for growth is I'm looking for actively people who are constantly posting memes online. And I'm like, so mm -hmm. you like memes. Do you want the audio version of a meme? Because twice a week, there it is. Yeah, yeah. for real. That's a good uh, description. Actually, it's hilarious. The, the way we started this podcast was because of another sibling podcast. Um, that the ice cream social started. So uh, there's another podcast called Hey Buddy, Nice Podcast, hosted by Wayne Gio and Wayne Giovanazzi and uh, Brogan's Hastings. <laughs> I love saying her name with an S, it's hilarious. Um, and they're in, one's in Scotland and the other's in Australia. So they started a podcast. And then on Twitter, they posted a meme of two dogs looking at each other and it says what happened when two weird people meet you start a podcast and so then i tweeted well i'm I, in reply i'm weird who wants to start a podcast and the almost like i said i do <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about starting a podcast and i was like oh well shit i was just joking but uh let's talk about it here we are. Nice. And, and, and then here we are, eight, you know, eight episodes in. Um, so y'all are just blast. Twitter strangers that decided to connect. Exactly. And that's well, amazing. Not, not almost, almost. Because, again, uh, the thing about Scoops is it really does feel like a family and a community. Yeah, I've heard so that. So even though we have never, we hadn't met, we hadn't physically met, because I don't think you, we met, and do we meet in uh, I don't think fest? we actually met however we were in the same room as each other probably less than 20 feet away right because you performed i was supposed to oh you did but you didn't because of the draft and all that the right. traffic and all that right. shenanigans and when i got into into town but right. um um so we're, we're uh the almost psychic is a magician okay um, and I am an entertainer, but cool. we both have regular jobs because, you know, you got to have health insurance to pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and there. Uh, um, we both uh, actually end up, we're, he was supposed to perform at Scoop Fest and I host karaoke. And so I hosted karaoke at Scoop Fest. Uh, however, uh, we joined the, we joined, we started the podcast, you know, started on Twitter and then two days ago, well, four days, Friday, I don't know, I don't know, I'm tired, I don't know days, uh, Friday, we met in person, really for the first time, meeting, meeting as, as partners uh, for the first time. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny, you are the first guest that neither one of us knows. Mm. Yeah. Out, 
I, I hadn't I had didn't know who you were until you were on Ice Cream Social. That's fair. No yeah, one and does. This, and this is the and this is the fastest turnaround. I, I was so happy you agreed uh, to join, and it worked out. I was so wonderful. Um, you have such an amazing story. Thank uh, you. And so let's 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 dig in and dive in. Um, for those who don't know, because I know we have a bunch of listeners who are scoops, they're like, "Oh, we know the story." But I don't care. I have listeners who aren't scoops. Um, how where, where where did you where is your origins? Tell us your origin story, Jenny. Break us down. Um, well, since it's a digital nomad um, podcast, I I was raised in Southern California, and um, Irvine. Was my oh, hometown. I, my mom's still there. I, I don't know if I knew that because I, I was also raised in Southern California. Oh, interesting. Which city? In, Inland Empire. I was in uh, the IE. The IE. Yes, <laughs> I, I grew up in um, Rialto and then Fontana. Okay. Uh, and then the funny about Irvine is I worked concert security at the Irvine Amphitheater. Oh, I loved that place. A I lot. Miss it. My, it was so great. Of, Right, one of my favorite concerts there was Jimmy Buffett. I've been to fifteen Jimmy Buffett concerts, and it was at that amphitheater is the reason. I'm the pretty. Best. That, that means we have been in the same place at the same time. Because a hundred percent. I I used to work, so I would request the parking lot whenever I worked at Jimmy Buffett yes. concert because nobody tailgates like Sharkheads tailgate. Yep. Uh, like, like, oh my God! Uh, I would eat so good because they love scoops. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I try to be lovable, and people are like, oh, come on, get some burgers. Oh yeah. I, said, I can't drink. I'm on the job, but I can definitely have a burger, fries, whatever, whatever. Oh man, it was some of the best times. So I'm sorry. Continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just love that. Like, that's clearly because that Such was a small world. It was my first concert, and the the great thing about that amphitheater for because it's now apartments. They mowed it down. It makes me so oh. angry. It's gone. Um, but remember, there was a water park next door. Yes. So you had the Wild Rivers parking lot plus the amphitheater parking lot, and it would just fill up. So I would usually go to one of the concerts, but every time there was a parking lot party, I never missed it because it was right. five miles from my house. It was the best. God, I love that you were there. Just one question about that. Did you wear fins on your helmet? Because, like, um, those were the best security guards. I, yes. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I was gifted fins. Good. And uh, uh, I was like, I don't know if I can wear this. And I created it with my um, supervisor that when I was in the parking lot, I was allowed to wear the fins. That's right. Once the concert started, uh, my team got moved into front of uh, – the gate and separating the stage from the audience. Okay, that yeah, you, um, that's more of an official position. Right, right, right. We were big. We were we were big guys, and so uh, we were we were there to block that. But then after the show, I got to go backstage, and I was guarding the VIP area and making nice. sure people go in and out of that. Um, there, I could wear the fins again, so, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Uh, uh, that's fantastic to, to do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh man, take me back. That was like, so. I had no idea so I was gonna fun. walk down memory lane like <laughs> in this interview. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, that was my childhood. Um, was right around there. But I think I really got my travel bug in college. So I went to Loyola Marymount, which is by LAX, and I was honestly like, I broke up my boyfriend, and I didn't want to see his face for a while. So I joined the study abroad. <laughs> 
program and went to <laughs> Germany. I was just like, I need to get as far as I can. So I went to Germany and um, and it just like completely changed my life. A lot of it was wrapped up in the Iraq war right. in a weird way because like we launched that while I was there. So I got to see... I mean, I just figured we were all having the same experience, right? Because like I'm living my lived experience. I'm assuming it's like a worldwide thing. But coming home was really crazy for me because it turned out that Americans were not watching debates on the war in the bars. Um, right. Americans were not canceling all their classes so that they could watch the debates during the day. Um, Americans were not talking about it at parties. Like it was a completely different media landscape, like vibe, everything. So coming home was really hard for me. And when I came back, I was like, I want to leave again because I just felt like I didn't understand the world. And I was just like, I like my goal from that moment forward is like, how fast can I get out of here and like continue seeing how the other world does parts of the world do things? Um, now, question. Yeah. It, our parallels are cracking me up inside. Around what year did you go to Germany? 2003. Okay. I'm going to have to ask my wife. Because my wife went to Dartmouth and then did the study abroad program and went to Germany. Oh, how funny. And I don't know if it was 2003. I will have to inquire. I will have to ask her uh, when that was. Uh, but please continue. I'm going to reach out yeah. to the wife. Well, I mean, the school that I went to was very small. So there was a giant. I was in Bonn. And there was mm -hmm. a giant university there. We didn't actually join that university. We had a small school that was kind of like a couple doors down from the university right next to a beer garden. Um, <laughs> there was a couple times that the teacher would yell out the window, like, are you coming to class? I'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> they were quite lenient with us. Um, but it was only the people from Loyola Marymount in our tiny school. There were like 30 gotcha. of us and we were only with each other. But, um, yeah, it was a, a wonderful place. Um, it was cool to be around other languages. Like it was so difficult, but I, every day was different and things that were easy, like going to the grocery store suddenly became a fun puzzle, you know, like a fun right. challenge just to be like, what is cheese? <laughs> and there's like all these different varieties. Like I just want to cheese. And it's like, um, and at the time I didn't have the internet to translate everything for me. Right. It was, you know, I kind of had to do it on my own and navigating the subway said like every day was a challenge and I got really into that. Um, although I'm not sure I recognized that as important to me at the time. Um, but I came back and I finished school and, um, you know, I just realized that I wasn't made for the simple life. It just became very, very obvious. Like other people seem to be perfectly fine going into the corporate world, making their first paychecks and loving it. But just like the, the day-to-day -day structure of wake up, go to work, come home, watch TV, maybe get drunk, definitely get drunk on the weekend, <laughs> rinse, repeat. Um, I was miserable. I was bored. And wow. um, every time I've had to go back into that lifestyle, I get really bored and kind of self-destructive just because I'm, you know, bored. Right. So, um, so yeah, uh, my husband and I, <clears throat> we were, we started dating my senior year. So kind of when I came back from Germany, I was becoming this different person and like he was along for the ride. And, um, I told him, you know, I really like you, dude, 
but I need to leave the United States. And so I already had all the paperwork worked out when I graduated to go and live in Australia for a year and um, get a job. Like it was this whole program. And I said, and I really liked him. And I was like, if you're willing to go and travel with me, I'll wait a little while. Cause I, I wanted to make a little bit of money before I did that anyway. And then he got a free ride to grad school. So I was like, fine, we'll stay while you're in grad school. Cause you can't pass that up obviously. Right. Um, but then we got to go. And in 2007, after he graduated grad school and we had about a year to make some money, we sold everything we owned and we went, um, we went to Europe. We bought one way tickets, backpacked around couch surfed. Like we brought $7,000 for two people. So we were living real cheap. Um, so yeah, couch surfing, the worst hostels in the universe, eating like (laughs) slices of pizza. Like we definitely weren't, you know, um, living, living at large, but it was such a good time, you know, like it was so fun just getting beers and hanging out in the park with like random people. We had the best time, but it turns out, and our goal was to go to the embassies there and get a longer visa. But it turns out that if you have $7,000 in the bank, which is quickly dwindling, like all the European countries are like, no, no, get out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You are a leech on our system. You gotta go. Right. So, um, with one week left on our visa, we kind of looked at like, where can we make money, but it'll still feel different. And we found tickets from Ireland to, uh, to uh, Hawaii. And so our ooh, plan was ooh. to go there because it was a different culture and we'd never been there like for an extended amount of time, but we knew that we could work there because it's, you know, America. America, right. And so we went there, we ended up staying for two and a half years. Uh, oh, wow. I worked in Waikiki. It was psycho. It's a whole other podcast. Um, but things fell apart as they always do. And so we got married on the island, immediately left, picked up a hand-me-down Volkswagen bug from my stepsister in LA and drove <laughs> across the country for three and a half months until we ended up in Boston where a friend of mine had lined up um, jobs for us. I was being very snotty and I'm like, I'm not coming to Boston unless you find me a place to live and two jobs. And he did it. So oh, wow. <laughs> that's somebody that like, you're coming to Boston. What yeah, I gotta he's... do? What I gotta do? I'm doing it. You're done. Yeah. Start he's here, very start stubborn. Here. <laughs> um, so we were in Boston for a while and that's where we tried the simple life again, because okay. by this time we had been on the road really for years. Um, and my husband was an engineer and he just really like, we didn't have any money and it was like, we need to take a minute and get careers or else we're going to be living, you know, the trash life forever. And I just couldn't do it anymore. By this time I'm 30. Um, and so we did get an apartment. I started congressional dish. Um, cause the idea was we could go wherever his job would take us and I would be able to travel. And, And this way too, like I'm one of those people that knows that as much as I love my husband, maybe we would change. Maybe he would die. Like, I don't know. And I right. wanted to build life a career happens. for my, yeah, life happens. Like I can't, I can't plan on this person being my whole life. Um, and so I wanted to create a career that would fit in a backpack. Like that's really the motivation for starting congressional dish. People think it's cause I'm trying to save the world. And it's like, no, it's cause I'm a digital nomad. <laughs> and like I could put the whole studio in a backpack. Like it's pretty selfish actually. Right. Um, but you are still doing something there that nobody else is doing. 
I am. And what I love about my job is I feel like all of the hours that I put into it, I feel like I'm doing good in the world, which I didn't when I was in the corporate world. I felt like I was hurting people. So at least like all of this energy that comes from me, I do feel like it's going to a positive place and it, it helps me deal with the long hours and the crazy Twitter trolls and all the crap because I just know that like in some way I'm making a difference in a positive way. That's awesome. So at least for the individual to listen. For a career, do something that's politics related and still have to deal with Twitter Twitter trolls. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah, it's shocking. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Twitter is now being actively destroyed, so I won't have to worry about that much longer. (laughs) Those trolls will just find another bridge. Oh, they will. They always find the bridge. Um, Yeah, so uh, rug fell out from under us in Boston. My husband lost his engineering job. Yeah, that was rough. So we, and we just kind of like knew what was happening in Massachusetts. He's a solar engineer and there was tax credit. Like we just knew he wasn't gonna find a job in Massachusetts. So we headed out west to where the sun actually shines and um, did nine months in rural Oregon in a in his parents it was supposed to be the retirement house but they didn't retire so they just had this like house (laughs) sitting there so we were kind of like the caretakers i waited tables he worked on a golf course we just like made it work and then we had to go to he got a job in san francisco and so that's where i spent six years building the podcast he built up his job like his goal really was to find a company where he could work remotely and he really likes the company he was working for so he just kind of like one day a week i'm gonna work from home and then they just got used to it two days a week i'm working from home and then they just got used to it and so over the course of like three years it got to the point that he was barely coming in anymore and some new kid was just like can i just have your desk and that's what made it official that's Um, nice yeah it was it was rad and so that's when we knew that eventually like we knew that they wouldn't let us leave san francisco right away right but then the pandemic hit and so we were already set up to bounce and when everybody was working from home my husband just kind of became a coach for everyone in the company like how do you do this how do you set up your desk like how do you structure your day um and so we did that for like a couple months and then my sister's kids were they were six and three at the time Mm -hmm. and so my sister was able to help the six-year-old with school and the three-year-old was just sitting there doing nothing every day and had no one to watch her and i was like you know what we gotta go so that's when we decided like this is it like this is i wasn't doing very well in san francisco um, again, because like the boredom it's, it's was pricey to live. When you know, I love that you lived in two of the most expensive places in in the country to live, both Hawaii and San Francisco. Well, Hawaii is an interesting thing. Um, the rent is quite cheap. I was paying eighteen twenty five for a one bedroom on the twenty third floor in Waikiki. Views of everything for days, um, just phenomenal. Something you would pay like ten thousand dollars a month anywhere else, but it's the food. Um, it's, you know, all the stuff that you have to bring in. Yeah. So like the tourists really feel the price differences, but when you live there, it's actually not as hard as you would think to make ends meet. San Francisco was ridiculous. Right. A (laughs) burger is 30 bucks. It's, it's awful. And you're paying that high of a price for a place. that's not all that pleasant to live. It's, it's physically scary to be there. 
Um, yeah, the wife, the wife and I were, when we were looking at leaving, my wife wanted to leave Las Vegas pretty much after she got back. She moved here, uh, with her then husband, um, uh, from, I think she came from New Mexico, but she was, she had done the expat. She had bounced around Japan and Thailand and, uh, Southeast Asia and then came back to the States and got to Vegas. Uh, then that relationship fell apart. Um, and she'd been wanting to leave Vegas forever. Mm. And, but then she met me <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love Vegas. I love it here. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, in, in the middle of, doing all the things that I love to do here. I was in Evil Dead the Musical, so I was, you know, performing there. I was working at the Stratosphere, which I didn't, I hated, but I loved <laughs> the perks of working in the casino. Um, and it almost broke us up initially because I knew she wanted to leave and I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Um, and, and so I kind of was, with your aspect, was she, she was you saying like, look, dude, I love you, but I want to get out of here. Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah, in a couple of years, I want to get out of here. And then she got into a graduate program. Uh, she's now a marriage and family therapist. Oh, cool. Um, and that, I thought, okay, that buys me some years. Yeah. That buys me some years to get my shit together, get my shit in order, and then we can, we can, I can look at bouncing. So we started looking at the Bay Area, started looking at San Francisco because my wife loves California. I hate California. My wife loves California, but I do love the Bay Area. I love the Bay Area. So I started looking at what that would like to live, then I'm a holy fuck, it's expensive. It's, it's outrageous. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like, stop being, you're not who you say you are. Cut it out. Oh, there's yeah. No, there's no reason you're this pricey. There's no reason in the world, especially where, like, I remember there were so many homeless people in my neighborhood in Oakland when we first moved there that I just felt like I should do something. So I started carrying um, clementines in my purse and I would just hand out, like, can I have some? And I would hand out clementines instead of cash. And it was very quickly that people figured out who I was. And I ended up having people chasing me down the street. So I had to stop being Ugh. generous. Like there were just so many people. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't a good place for me to live, but my husband, we had the best friends there. Like the people there were the best, like right. a group of friends, like nothing I've ever had in my life. And a lot of them were engineers. Um, and my husband loved his company. So he was really thriving there. And I really was not. Um, and so I was getting back into these patterns of just out of boredom, like, okay, like, let's try another drug. Like, <laughs> let's right. drink Wednesday through Sunday. Like, it, was, it wasn't it was <laughs> a good place for me to be. I was just very bored. I was very vocal about it. But I think in when you're building, like, being a digital nomad, mad, you have to have the building blocks in order to do it in a way that doesn't involve couch surfing. And so we had to spend those six years there and to train his company for him to be okay to be traveling in order to do what we're doing. I had to build Congressional Dish to the point that I was making some money so that right. we could afford this. And the one nice thing about doing this in San Francisco is our housing price point was so high. So I did the math and it was $120 a day in housing. And that's oh, just for my rent. Jesus. Keeping in mind that I also travel a lot. So when I was looking at the rent plus all of the hotels as I was traveling around, my housing budget was pretty close to $5,000 a month, which is Oof. insane. But living in hotels, that goes real far. Right. So when we just kind of looked at our housing budget and looked at it that way as housing is rent plus 
hotels and Airbnbs, getting rid of that rent payment allowed us to like really look at like, can we afford to be in a hotel for 30 days? And the answer is absolutely yes. So, um, so yeah, the pandemic helped us a little bit with getting the company used to him being not in the San Francisco office. It was like, that just kind of took care of itself. Mm-hmm. And it's funny since then, um, the company has really shifted its attitude to accommodate him because they sold the company during COVID and they really wanted to keep him. And he was like, my one thing, like, I don't need more money. I don't need anything. I need 100% complete location freedom. And so now his whole team has location freedom. It just like set this new standard. That's awesome. Yeah. And his whole morning, like what I just listened to is he was coaching one of his brand new hires, how to stay on his call schedule from India. Like <laughs> it's so rad. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so he's now sur- like he's, the corporate world is changing to what he wants. And I, I love watching him be at the forefront of that. Um, but anyway, back to the pricing. Cause I think this is one of the things that scares people away from this lifestyle. I do think you have to change the housing mentality and you also have to earn status with the hotels. Um, we chose Harriet or Harriet, Marriott <laughs> and Hyatt. <laughs> and a baby. Uh, yeah. And it's the Harriet chain. Yes, I'm a big fan of the Harriet <laughs> brand. Um, but we have the um, Chase Sapphire Reserve credit card. So it's right. one of those, it's like $600 a year. But you get $300 of that back automatically just for your travel expenses. So we get that back within like a week of our anniversary date. So it's fine. We get so many perks from it. And the main one for me is that the points transfer one to one. For with a bunch of different brands. So Hyatt and Marriott is on the list, which is why we targeted them for their loyalty programs first. Right. We also, it, a bunch of airlines in the Star Alliance. So um, that means like I can go direct to United, but they have a relationship with like Lufthansa and TAP, Portugal's um, airline and a bunch of different islands. So by, or not islands, airlines, it's early for me too. Um, (laughs) But by going through, like you'll see the list and it looks like there's only like eight or nine airlines, but all you have to do is book like through United and a whole new world opens up to you with all the different airlines that are connected in the Star Alliance. They also are connected to Southwest Airlines, which gets me around the United States all the time. So with that one-to-one transfer, plus all of the points that we're building by living in hotels, um, you have to remember those nights are free. So that helps us to do it. And the only pain point is that you have to earn the status, which helps you rack up. Like once you have status, I should tell you like the status part is amazing. Once you have status with Hyatt and Marriott, you get breakfast every day for free, no matter what. Um, and most of the time, like if you're staying in an actual Hyatt or an actual Marriott, you're looking at like buffet breakfast, full meals. Right. Um, they cover the tip for you. Although I still like, I go to the bank um, probably once every three months and I take out a couple hundred bucks in fives and ones because I'm just tipping everyone everywhere. Right. Um, but yeah, for the cost of like a tip, you're getting a full meal every single morning. And a lot of times, especially overseas, you'll also get fed at night. So I'm starting to learn like in the cities I go to. So for instance, like I have to go back to San Francisco again tomorrow. That's why I'm flying tomorrow. I always stay at the Grand Hyatt in Union Square because we get the full breakfast in the morning, but then we also get heavy hors d'oeuvres in the evening. 
So if I don't want to spend any money, I can get fully fed and well in the club lounge um, because I have the status. And you kind of just learn by doing, like which brands are the best and which aren't. And um, so the status is key and you get upgrades for free. So when I go and I stay in any of these hotels, I do check their occupancy, but if it looks like it's not going to be sold out, you just book the cheapest room and you get the best they have when you check in. And like Hyatt is great about this. Um, that's why like Hyatt's program is pretty much, it has the reputation of being the best and I feel like it's fair. Um, Marriott is pretty good, but they have the biggest footprint. Like the Marriott's are all over the world. And so, um, with, with the combination of those two, we've been set really well. There's also financially in a lot of States, the United States, if not all of them, I want to say there might be a couple exceptions, but it's been everyone we've gone to. If you stay for more than 30 days, you don't pay taxes or fees. So just imagine all those taxes going away. It makes it far more affordable. And a lot of times for more than a week, you'll get their, um, you know, longer stay rate, which can take your rate down from like 300 a night down to like a buck 50, which again, like I was paying 120 just in rent and I wasn't getting fed. I wasn't getting electricity. I wasn't getting internet. I wasn't getting somebody coming up and making your room for you when you leave. Oh, housekeeping. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And it's, it's, I have a new theory on like outsourcing because so many of us are willing to outsource our work work. So like I do have an assistant for my show and stuff like that, but in living in hotels, I'm outsourcing all that little piddly shit that I don't want to do at home. Cooking breakfast, cleaning the dishes, cleaning anything. I don't clean anything anymore. So (laughs) it's so great. Like it's so great. I, I got to Vegas Wednesday night and just in the whole mess of everything, I actually spilled something on the bed. And I was like, you know what? Fuck what this. I was like, you, you know what? I'm in a hotel. Pick up the phone, housekeeping. Hey, can you come fix this problem I created? Go. Boom. I leave the room. Two hours later, done. Like it never yeah. happened. Cost you a $5 tip. Exactly. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's the best. And the amount of time that Joe and I are saving just not doing all those chores is amazing. Really, the only downside that we've had, the only thing that's been difficult is laundry. Um, Because if you're doing your laundry in a resort or like a high class hotel, they're charging you like $17 just to do a T-shirt. So, you know, my husband does take our laundry bag, put it in a suitcase, get on the bus, find a laundromat like it's a... That's a process, um, but that's really been the only challenge that we've had, and we're both super surprised at how seamless the whole thing has been. That's amazing. Yeah, we were looking at we're looking at um, the, the wife has been looking at. I've been paying attention to selling all our shit. Uh, yeah, but wife highly who, recommend. Who who's having an emergency nearby? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, oh, wait, before pause on that, because oh, yes. um, I did want to tell you something about Vegas. Oh, yes. One thing that's really interesting is that Hyatt and MGM have a partnership now. I saw so that. if you have a Hyatt globalist status, which to get that, you need to stay in a Hyatt for 60 days. Pretty easy. Once you have that, you get Hyatt gold level, which means that you don't pay resort fees. So as people that live in Vegas, if you can achieve Hyatt status, you can book the room for your friends and all those resort fees go away. Mm. 
So like, I'm coming back to Vegas in December, staying at the Excalibur because I like trash hotels. And, um, <laughs> has great views, actually. I, I legit love the Excalibur. Right. But I'm staying for $40 a night. Not $40 plus the $45 resort fee, $40. So if you look at my like housing budget, I'm going to save a ton by staying at right. the Excalibur. And yeah, That's so amazing. you should know that as, I, as it was interesting well. because you were saying, you know, you were staying more than 30 days in certain uh, um, locations. I know that in casino hotels, they won't let you stay more than 28 days. Uh, mm. You can stay they 28 want those days. Fees. You have to then leave. And then you, you got to leave for 24 hours and then you can come back. Because we would often mm. get phone calls, uh, high working reservations. Uh, you could often get phone calls of people. I want to stay, you know, I'm looking to stay from April to June. Like you can't, um, I'm yeah. gonna, I, I'd be happy to book you these 28 days on day 29. You're going to have to book someplace else. And then I'll book you the next 28 days. And then day 29, you got to stay someplace else. And I'll book you for the next, whatever, whatever. Um, and some like, oh, a couple people did it because it was worth it to them to, to, to do that. You know, and they have whatever status they need. Yeah. Um, the status helps because then you can jump from, you know, let's say Caesar's Sister property, property to a uh, right. M Life property. Yeah, totally. We yeah. got around that in Vegas. Um, well, I mean, we still had to pay the tax and fees, but the signature at MGM Grand, it is nice having a right. full. It's, they don't have ovens, but they have enough of a kitchen to where if you're staying for a long time and want to be on the strip, we yeah. found that the signature was a, a good spot. Yeah, but we ended up, we do, of, we do Airbnbs. Uh, pretty often if it's over a month because even in the cities where they're cracking down they're allowing it for more than 30 days most of the time right yeah wife was looking at airbnbs like in portugal and and costa rica and panama and she was looking and she loved the fact that you know i looked at this this airbnb and uh we've been doing the the here's what we pay a, a month in rent here's what we pay for this and this and that here in vegas um, mm. This is how much she makes um, doing uh, her marriage and family therapy business. She goes, you know, if we don't have that rent um, and we put all that money to uh, stay in it, at an area, if we turn, we return this ve uh, Vegas rent into uh, Portugal rent, Portugal rent for a month in an, in an Airbnb is like a thousand bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like well, that's, yeah. that that that's our rent cut in half. Yeah, right? and and not just cut in half, but it's cut in half at a place that has a beach in walking distance. It's a place that is gorgeous and safe and comfortable, mm -hmm. and you know. Um, we used and, to say that Portugal, especially Lisbon, is like San Francisco without being terrifying. That. <laughs> I heard you said when you said that. I was like, "Oh, yes. Oh, she's been to Portugal. Oh, she, yeah. she knows Lisbon. That's where we're going. That's, That's where awesome. we spent last winter. We were there because they have a, a pretty. It's an easy path to get residency in Portugal, which would give you the ability to be in the EU for more than ninety days out of right. one eighty, which is the rule now." So we decided to spend the winter in Portugal to be like, is this a place? Because you do have to stay for a certain amount of time right. inside Portugal in order to get that, you know, golden ticket. And I was like, you know, is this a place that I could spend that much time? And the answer was yes. It's amazing. <laughs> I only scratched the surface of that amazing uh, country. 
But then we went to Eastern Europe for the summer. We went to Poland. And I got to tell you, the exchange rate of the Zloty is incredible. So um, we stayed at the Marriott at the train station in Warsaw. What's dope about that hotel is the hotel is on the 20th floor and above. So it's impossible not to have an excellent view. Oh, wow. And when it comes to food, oh, my God. It was a full, like the most beautiful buffet breakfast you've ever seen. That's what we got for free every day. Um, all day long, it was water, cookies, like snacks. And then in the afternoon, starting from 5 till I think it was like 8, full buffet dinner. It wasn't like they would have two hot things and then like salad and meats and cheeses and like it was right. dinner. And then it was free booze until 10. And oh, they had Jesus. like waiters coming. And it was all free. It was insane. And we were paying like 100 bucks a night to stay there. You I said met the a Marriott just... at the train station in Warsaw, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was amazing. I, like I met a dude that retired there. He came to visit and he was like, this is so cheap that he just lives in the Marriott now. And, um, and then when we did go out, like there was this really cool spot. Um, it's like this little buffet thing. So you don't have to talk to anyone or know any of the words. You can just be like, this looks good. Like, give it to me. And <laughs> it was, um, you know, giant buffet meals. And it was four U.S. dollars to have the best Polish food I've ever had in my life. And a ton of it. Um, when I was buying clothes, I would get like these amazing dresses for five dollars, six dollars. So I'm really coming to appreciate the places that are not on the euro because the money goes so much further. And even though like in my head, I don't know why this is probably because I'm an obnoxious American that doesn't know anything. Right. But in my head, I was like, oh, Poland, like that's probably going to be kind of sketchy. No, it is cleaner than any state I've right. been to in the United <laughs> States. Like they actually care about their infrastructure. All of the major roads that have, you know, the cars, the buses, the things that will squash you and kill you. In Poland, you go under the roads if you're a pedestrian. So there were like eight-year-olds that were clearly like on their way home from school, just on a scooter, like, like everyone <laughs> was so self-sufficient. The kids were so self-sufficient because the infrastructure was so safe. Yeah. Like, wow. I, yeah. So now my husband and I are thinking next year because we're still like, you know, we're not rich. Um, we're thinking about doing a lot more Eastern Europe because the one thing about Portugal is like we were on the Euro and right. it's pretty much at parity with the U.S., which means you're still getting twenty dollar burgers. You know, it's not it's not cheap for right. that side of the expenses. But that's good to that's good to know. Like I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that because my both me and my wife are very much team anti winter. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, so you know um, that that's how Portugal hit the list, and we're looking at you know places in Central America like Costa Rica and Panama. Um, because they have the you know the, the lovely weather and beaches and all that kind of things. Um, like that. Well, and then the, the island the nations too, um, like Malaysia. I was just reading a whole thing are so friendly to digital nomads and the exchange rate. I mean, you can stay at five star resorts for like thirty bucks a night. Nice. The only reason we're not doing it is that we have a dog that we travel with. So so do we. Okay, so yeah. We, so we, we have to wait for her to die, <laughs> otherwise oh. she has to be quarantined. So that's why we're doing. Um, Europe and South America first. Yeah, uh, that's but, why. That's yeah. why we we have a uh, we have a Chihuahua, the, the service animal. Oh. So wife has been doing all the research behind that. I also have uh, two cats, who and uh, okay, that's harder. That's harder. Um, we're gonna foster them until we find some place. That's why we're looking at some place to land and call home for a while. 
Yeah. And then I can do all the process of sending for the cats and or coming back and getting them and taking them over and doing that and, and residing someplace for a few years. Gotcha. Um, uh, as, as, as possible. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, we're looking at again, d- digital nomading for a year. I hadn't, we, we, I love the idea that Europe is, uh, within, you know, uh, she, uh, is in close distance. I don't know. Words are not working for me today. <laughs> <laughs> it's only six hours from the East Coast. It's not that right. far. <laughs> is in is in shooting distance from other European countries that I want to see and want to visit. Yeah. So I love looking at Portugal. Man, Portugal's great because then I can bounce our friends in the UK that I can bounce and go see our friends in you know France that I can bounce and go see. Um, well, do you know about the Croatia loophole in 2023? N- no. Tell hmm. me about this Croatia loophole in 2023. So- Croatia is in the European Union, but they're not Schengen yet. They won't be until 2024, which means um, if you go into the European Union and you spend your 90 days there and they're like, okay, get the fuck out, out, you can go to Croatia in 2023 and it doesn't count as the EU. It doesn't count as Schengen. So you can do 90 days in Portugal, 90 days in Croatia, go right back into the EU and not have to deal with any of the visa crap. So that really does buy you at least nine months in oh, wow. a row if you wanted to do that before like going through the paperwork of that's good you know because the paperwork to get the the digital nomad visas outside of estonia apparently are pretty <laughs> difficult from what i've heard in the eu right now because they're all kind of brand new right and estonia is very cold um yeah, do, yeah. yeah i can't do it either so um we're going to visa hop like that in 2023 it's it's a little harder with your cat situation but what you could also do is do your 90 days in portugal so you can find the housing that you want because that's going to be a part of your application right go over to croatia wait it out and then you can come back as soon as your stuff is approved right and that's like a you know a one hour flight instead of or maybe two or three i don't know but instead of coming all the way back to the states but yeah croatia I i figure we'll uh our cats will find a nice home somewhere either here or in California with somebody um, to love them until we're done hopping. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're here. We got the residence. We're, we're good to go. Now, well, one thing my, you need to know for babies. your chihuahua, because we found this out the hard way. Is it a rescue? Yes. Okay. In the United States, we are tending to chip our rescue dogs with chips that don't even work in the United States, let alone the European Union. Right. And my dog had one of those. So we had to get her a second chip and update her rabies vaccine. Like the first time she went to Europe, it was kind of a process. And so you want to start that, especially the chip thing, because they're very serious about that. You want to start that early. Otherwise, like every time you fly with the dog overseas, you're going to have to go to the vet. Um, the vets actually, it's a process with the Department of Agriculture, but it has to be within five days of your flight. You just have to vet, have, find a vet that knows what they're doing. Joe's actually found it quite easy to do that. And then it's just like this piece of paper. But once you get to the EU the first time for 12 euros, you can get your dog a passport. So my dog is officially Portuguese. Nice. And so once you're in the EU, the dog can go wherever it's wa- it wants even more freely than you can because it'll be an actual citizen. And it's cute. It's like this little booklet looks exactly like a passport. Like it's adorable. Um, so the hardest time to get the dog over is going to be your first time. Once you do it once, well, it's just here, 
a vet visit. The good news is one of my wife does crazy amounts of research. Um, and I'm sure she has locked down all the things required to get uh, Fox uh, taken care of. The other beautiful thing is our first trip over to uh, Europe will be via transatlantic cruise. Oh. We're, we're taking a road trip from California to Miami. And then when we land in Miami, we're doing a 15-day transatlantic uh, from Miami to Barcelona. But how do you do that with a dog? Because I couldn't do it with my dog. You can you can take a service animal on a cruise ship. See, that's a thing. I won't. I don't want to say that Abby's a service animal because she's useless. Fox, Fox is a service animal. That's that's the beautiful thing. He is a service animal, um, and so that we were able to do that with. Uh, uh, the transatlantic. Um, oh, I'm jealous. And the other beautiful thing about cruise ships is, you know, since we'll, we'll have quite a bit of stuff to start off with us, you know, uh, ships don't weigh baggage. Mm. And, and so, uh, my uh, advice though, don't bring that much. We're, we're, we're going to try not to. You'll end up turning it down somehow. It, it, it's the, it's going to end up uh, we're, we're praying to, but my wife has a pole uh, my wife pole dances uh, uh, for sport and that pole's heavy like just shipping the pole or just flying with the pole by by itself is extra money um, and since we can travel on the ship without uh, the weight issue yeah it makes getting over there just fine. Trains also don't weigh um, luggage, which is nice. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but the goal, the goal, the goal is to go with over as as, as little as possible, obviously. Yeah. That's why and we're just keep in mind that like anything everything. you can get here, you can get there. Yeah. The only only bits of things that that we really have here that we want to get over there. There are two. Um, tables that we have uh, that were custom painted by my cousin and I definitely don't want to get rid of those so those are, those pieces have very, a lot of sentimental value to me so those are the only two pieces of furniture that I want um, so what we did for our sentimental stuff is we got one of those U-Haul U-Boxes it costs mm -hmm. us a hundred bucks a month and what's great about it we've already moved it a couple times um, it's kind of like a pod only much smaller and so you can just have your pod moved from U to haul to U haul to like wherever you want it to go. And so if you're not, cause like to bring tables, like, like that's a big deal. And that's, that's well, that, something that's you're going to have to be very careful at, with. Yeah. That's why we're looking at, um, I don't think we'll be coming back to the U S yeah. But um, you don't have your visa lined up yet. Right. It, it, it's, we're in the process of getting all that, that done which is why oh, okay. we're doing which is why we're 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 doing the dism nomading for a year right we're bouncing around for a year to take gotcha. care of the visa process and then uh once it's uh we're looking at getting residency in portugal right right okay. now right now the goal is residency in portugal once we have residency and we're, we're established and living and that's where we want to live and quote unquote retire um, as we determine that's where we're going to be for a while, I will send 
for the big items. Then yeah. I'll pay for shipping because I have saved the money up to do so. Yeah. I, I have I have a I have a budget set aside. This this is shipping. Any extra money I get, that's gonna go over here and set aside for my shipping costs, and I'll just build that up. So when it comes time, I'll have a, that's my shipping budget. Oh, how much costs to ship? Let's send it. Um, yeah. So that's what we're looking forward to. But right now, we're just going to just the two of us, uh, as little as we can carry, bouncing around the world. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What we really liked about our U box situation is we pack it once. And then it's like our closet just moves. Right. Like we don't have to unpack it, repack it when we move it. It's just like we need it in LA, then we need it in Seattle. So it's just like a couple hundred bucks. They just bring right. it up there. I'm definitely um, going to look at the, the it's been nice. check out the, the, the Harriet situation. You should. Um, uh, oh, in it, Lisbon, it, actually, we stayed in the Marriott and I loved it. Um, it's kind of like on top of a hill. So, um, but that was another one where. Why am I blanking on the breakfast? I don't know. I can't remember what the breakfast. It was fine. Um, right. But the afternoon was another thing where it was like five hot dishes every single night, dessert, beer, all of it in the little lounge. Um, so we were really happy there too. Like the Marriott's, there's not as many Hyatt's in Europe, which is unfortunate, right. but the Marriott's, the service, the food, it's all better than almost anywhere I've been in the United States. That's worth checking out. And we, as we do our road trip, I may look at if we end up staying in hotels, or whatever. Start starting that the building of the status inside of the process of finding a Hyatt or a Marriott to. Yeah, to the stay way we in. did it, like the the Marriott one, gets really good once you get to the uh, platinum status, which is fifty nights. So the way we achieved it is we stayed in the cheapo Marriotts. We stayed in the residence inns off of the truck stops we stayed in right. courtyards we stayed in like the inexpensive ones that we could afford and it took us under two months and then life got good and we're never gonna have been up that status again so um but yeah it was 60 for the hyatt 50 for the marriott and life like changes yeah i would definitely have to check that process out well, that's amazing that i i'm so happy that we have met Where'd you say that Marriott starts to get good? 50. 50 days. Yeah, it's their platinum sta status. So I have the 75 okay. one. So the way that it helps the further up you go is you do get more points for every night, which adds up quite, quite nicely. And when you get, you're higher up on the, the upgrade scale. So I do find that now that I'm titanium elite instead of platinum, at the Marriott, I'm much more likely to get the upgrade to at least a nice view. The suites are kind of hard to get without, but then you get stuff like Sweet Nights Awards, where if they have a suite before you check in, you can get it guaranteed ahead of time. So, you know, they give you all kinds of stuff, but um, but really like, it's that breakfast, man. Like that's what you want to get, <laughs> is that breakfast, man. It changes everything and access to the club lounges. Yeah. Um, I, like I was never an executive. I'm a peasant, so I had no idea this entire world existed. It was for executives, but it's now, you can tell the hotels have figured out that people like me are doing this because the rooms are more often than not having desks now, which wasn't always the case. Um, the long-term rate, like they're, they've figured it, they're starting to figure out that they should be catering to digital nomads. And um, yeah, the club lounges are. That's, that's good to know. Yeah, cause, uh... I'm I'm sure, you know, um we're looking at doing the flip of 
folks who visit from other countries who come into the U.S. and then bounce around the U.S., you know, make, make your time here worth it. Yeah. So if we become those folks, like, it'd be good to have that type of uh, status in place so I don't have to couch surf. Yeah. You know, so I can say, yeah, I know I'm, I'm going to, I have a couch, but it's in, in my room uh, that's, you know, down the street from where you live, you know, because mm-hmm. um, we do both have friends and family all over the country. And so we're, we'll definitely, we'll definitely visit the U.S. again. I mean, heck, I got to come back, you know, once a year for Scoop Fest at least. <laughs> um, and to see yeah, moms I told those boys things. I better get an invitation to the next one. I want to go. <laughs> Very much so. As a matter of fact, you need to. Uh, I, I, it's hilarious that we've started a podcast. So that by I don't know if I'll be able to make 2023 because uh, we will have just started the over over depending upon when they have the the, the event um i don't know i know I things but i don't know if i'm supposed to say it so offline i'll tell you what i know okay um but, yeah we do know that they're having their 1000th uh party in pittsburgh in april okay. that's what i know so yes <laughs> Can't yeah, they, that. They, they they have they have said <laughs> that much they have said that they have they're having their one thousand. I don't know the the full the full details. I just know that the one thousandth episode party is in April. And it's in Pittsburgh, and we can yeah. go. Well, and I think that's going to be in lieu of the twenty twenty three Scoop Fest. So the next one, I think they're thinking is twenty twenty four. And that works out perfectly. Yeah. For me, I'm being selfish, but my podcast, I can do that. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure that I get dates from you when we go offline and stop recording here so I can hop on my Marriott app and get hotel rooms before anybody else does. Well, I don't think I have the dates. Ah. I'm not that in. But, um, but yeah, they kept talking about the Scoop Fest thing, and I was like, a party? I have to be invited to this party. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, well, Jen, thank you so much uh, for coming and talking. Oh, it was a yeah, pleasure. Yeah, so how, how really do the, the trolls that, or I mean, uh, listeners to our <laughs> podcast find you on uh, social media if they want to follow your journey or tune into your podcast and know what's going on in uh, in the congressional world? Yeah, my podcast um, is called Congressional Dish. And just real quick, like I'm reading bills and laws and watching hearings and just letting people know what's going on from a nonpartisan, I hate both your parties perspective, but I just want to know, <laughs> like, where's my money and which war are we going to? So, um, yeah, that's Congressional Dish, and that's my baby, and you can find that on all the podcast apps. I'm also doing We're Not Wrong, which is a really interesting um, – so I do government, obviously. I think politics are disgusting. Um, but my friend Justin <laughs> hosts Politics, 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 and he's really into politics. And then we also have Andrew Heaton, who is – a historian and a comedian and just a really brilliant, nice guy. And so we talk about events in the world, approaching it from places of friendship and understanding that we don't have any power. So why would we scream at each other? Like it's such a refreshing conversation with three people that have different perspectives. So that's, we're not wrong also everywhere. And then on social media, as long as Twitter exists, I'm at Jen Briney (laughs) and um, on Instagram, I'm starting to get more involved in Instagram. So it's at Jen Briney there too. Um, so yeah, hang out. And I love questions about digital nomad life. So if anyone like they're way more fun for me than congressional questions. So do not hesitate. I will respond to these in a way that I don't always respond politically. So <laughs> love it. Love it. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So our listeners, be sure to go to the interwebs. 
uh, follow Jen Briney. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, I'm so happy. Every now and then I'm reminded why I love listening uh, to Ice Cream Social. Again, shout out to my friends. Um, it's the dick and fart they, jokes. Because they know <laughs> interesting people. And the people, weird perverted poems. And the like, weird perverted poems. <laughs> and the beating of dead horses. And Paula's uh, maniac. Um, and they again, they know really interesting people. And the vicarious nature of the way this community grows. It's 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 absolutely wonderful and amazing um, to hear you know hear oh wait I'm not we're not alone in this we're we're not by ourselves. and I know you know I'm one degree away from uh, technically two degrees away uh, originally it was two degrees away now I'm now I'm not now now we're connected yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, totally. So that, and I was told thing. when I did that show that I would fall in love with the community. And then you reached out immediately. And this has been really fun. I love talking. Like, this is the stuff that I'm passionate about, you know? And so we'll, we'll, thanks we'll, for giving me the opportunity. Oh, pleasure. And we'll definitely have to have you back and have you on again. As 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 me and the wife get further down the line, um, I would love to chop it up with you, like, once we're in Portugal and be like, okay, oh my God, we're in Portugal. We did this. Let's talk to Jen. Well, and it's such a different way of living that I feel like we kind of have to trade the tips and tricks and, right. you know, like I need to meet more digital nomads. I'm, I'm feeling kind of alone in it. So it's nice to know other people that are. Are you on the book of faces? Are you on Facebook at all? I you hate it. I, <laughs> I have I, one, but I hate it. I, I'm of the minority that actually love Facebook because I cultivated my Facebook to only be about uh, my friends uh, and, and sharing information and following people and following groups that have information that I want. I also don't do a whole lot of reading. So like I, I belong to a bunch of different groups, but I don't really go in those groups mm. unless there's specific information that I want and then I kind of scroll through, but I also have ADHD. So I'll get distracted by a notification. I'll go, oh, someone so said something on Instagram. I'll go over here. <laughs> and yeah. so, well, that's why uh, I hate it. Like, there's just too many notifications, too much going on. I can't keep track. Like, I just, it's, yeah. it makes my brain fire too much. Uh, <laughs> I get that. Um, oh, well, the reason I was asking is because there are, uh, there are a couple of digital nomading groups on Facebook that, that, that oh, okay. have an interesting community and, and discuss it. My wife is much better. You hear me say that a lot about a lot of things ago. My, my yeah. wife has it all figured out. Uh, I'm an entertainer. I'm, I'm, I, I provide the laughter and the, hum the, the, um, funny, funny and the weird stuff and the randomness. Uh, my wife is really down to earth and, and loves, uh, information and things like that. And plus she, again, she did the expat community life before, um, nice. which listened to the podcast actually got to, uh, she was our, our last, our last episode was her first podcast. And we, we interviewed her, um, nice uh, to talk about it and stuff like that. So I love, love to check I that love, out. I think I would love her. Yes, you have, you guys would get along so well. Um, well, let's stay in touch because I'm going back to Europe next year. So maybe we'll just pop yes, to Portugal or we can meet somewhere in between. That. Like Absolutely. that would be fun. Absolutely, love it, love it. Well, again, uh, 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 almost psychic. Where can they find you? Um, I am on the major social medias at psychic ish. And you can find me at Who Is Big Sexy uh, at all locations. 
for the old heads who are still on Facebook, it, it put the S on big. The last part is XE, so on Bigs XE on the Facebook. But otherwise, who is Big Sexy? You can find us at Big Sexy Nomad. Uh, all the locations. Send us an email if you want to contact us. If you have any questions, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. We love answering those kind of questions. We're going to look at different tra travel hacks, uh, things of that nature. At Big Sexy Nomad, hit us up. Thanks and as for always. Uh, yeah, safe travels. Safe travels.